Hello and welcome to the Create Your World podcast. This is episode 20. And how are we feeling this morning, Ben? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's a sunny day here in uh, Taipei. There's finally the, the cool wind, sort of a autumn winds are starting to blow. And uh, yes, we've had a, a couple of weeks off, uh, but we've come back. Uh, to do this episode, and it's a bit of a special episode. Do you want to tell us why? Yes, let's say hi to hiatus. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we've decided to take a break, uh, dear listeners, for a little while, indefinitely. Uh, we will be back at some stage, uh, but uh, due to... Mm, what shall we say? economic constraints and other uh, pressures at this point in time, mainly on my end, but, but I, I, as I'd say also partly on your end as well, uh, we've decided to, yes, take probably a well-deserved uh, break uh, in the short to medium term while I go and get a job and make myself more financially secure. And uh, then we're gonna come back uh, in a while uh, once I'm sort of, uh, yeah, got my feet back on the ground and then uh, we'll get uh, back into it again. So, yeah, that's anything. Do you do want to say anything about that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We'll be in exile for a little while, but we will uh, return in a dramatic way. I was actually watching a mini documentary on the Islamic Revolution in Iran in 1979 last night and wow i didn't realize ayatollah khomeini was exiled to iraq for like 16 years before he came back to iran to well take over and uh, kick the shah out of his uh, country yeah 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 so yeah well, i mean so many examples like napoleon's incredible comeback from from Saint, oh, what's that island he got stranded on? Saint, Saint something. Mm, slipping my mind. Anyway, somewhere in the, was it the Atlantic or the Mediterranean Sea? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that tiny, uh, tiny island that Napoleon got stuck stuck on. But okay, just quick, quick side note. What I found fascinating about this documentary, Al Jazeera, always the best source on all things Middle Eastern in terms of news. Uh, but yeah, what I found fascinating about this part of the story is actually, okay, so he started stirring up trouble in like the mid sixties and the Shah, who's like, you know, king of kings and like all powerful, big wig and, uh, you know, uh, Western backed, uh, you know, uh, demagogue as it were to use the, you know, use the terminology of uh, the the rebels <laughs> he uh you know kicked out uh the uh the the, the imam or you know that, that was his position at the time you know as a as a religious leader kicked him out to iraq you know to get him out of iran obviously uh but then over the years into the 70s actually the Shah's control on the media and uh, public dissent and, you know, universities and et cetera, et cetera, within Iran became tighter and tighter. So actually it was advantageous for uh, Ayatollah Khomeini to be in Iraq, Iraq to 
spread his message of dissent into Iran. So what they called it the cassette tape revolution. I didn't realize this. Uh, fascinating. So he used to record all this stuff, uh, his speeches every day on cassette tapes. It's kind of like, it's kind of like podcasting before podcasting, but it's, you know, it's audio medium of audio. Yeah. He used to put, and then he used to like mail them or give them to his, uh, like through his, uh, religious network. Oh dear. That was amazing talker guys. That's my life now getting pinged by amazing talker. If you heard that noise, <laughs> we'll leave that in there. No way, I'm not stopping this podcast. No, no, no. I'll have a little rant about Amazing Talker in a few minutes. But back to Ayatollah Khomeini's revolution. So yeah, like <laughs> they uh, sent these cassette tapes into Iran itself. And, and that's, it was, it was like because the Shah couldn't get to him in Iraq because he was already exiled. It was actually beneficial. Like it actually helped spread his message further than if he were in Iran where they, the, the security forces or the, you know, the secret police would have been able to snuff him out. Yeah, so interesting, right? So sometimes being in exile is a, a, a powerful place to be. <laughs> well, right, they would actually, was a very good question. They would uh, distribute them to a network of, of, of uh, religious followers and other imams in Iran who were follow, like followers of Khomeini. And then they would... Either they would broadcast them like through the mosques, you know, the mosques have uh, like um, uh, speaker systems and 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 such, or I think they would also play them on the on the radio, like on the you know on um, unofficial frequencies, like you know, uh, pirate radio, I guess, uh, and yeah, just try and spread the word that way, or they would try and like uh, have little meetings or, or, or gatherings in town squares and like play the cassette tapes through through a speaker or something like a yeah 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 well that 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 was the islamic revolution right in, in iran yeah that was it like so yeah it's it's uh, fascinating because you know what i didn't realize about yeah, 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 no, no, totally. But you know what I didn't even realize about uh, the whole Iranian revolution things? Everyone gets so caught up uh, on the 1979 revolution and, and uh, in dethroning of the Shah, and then he, he runs away to the US and um, all of that, and then Ayatollah Khomeini, and then the country completely changes. It was heading on a very sort of liberal, uh, liberalization, you know, economically and socially, and then it sort of, you know, completely turned against the, the US. Uh, but actually what I didn't realize is before the Shah, there was a democratically elected, uh, leader named Muhammad Mazdek or Mossadegh. I might be getting his surname wrong, I think, uh, but something like I only learned his name last night, but he was actually the democratically elected leader of Iran in the fifties until I think 1954 or something around this time where the U S just decided to, um, yeah, no, CIA just said, no, 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 we're just going to, uh, we're just going to install the Shah. No, 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 that's exactly what happened. He tried, he wanted to nationalize, um, the, yeah, he wanted to nationalize the oil and, uh, exactly. And, and stop sus. Yeah. Oh, populist of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> An extremist and and of course uh the u.s thought maybe you know 
possibly leaning too far out of the non-aligned movement and towards the, the Soviets. So, you know, that, that was uh, reason enough, you know, to, to uh, install the Shah. So actually, it's so interesting. Like, I thought the Shah was, you know, the, the epitome of, of legitimacy and, the, you know, a sovereign ruler that had sort of the, the backing of the people all along. But I didn't realize he himself was you know, just sort of a, always actually a U.S. or Western puppet. Um, you know, from the 50s, and he actually was installed, uh, despite there already being a democratically elected president uh, in the post-World War II era in Iran, and who was who was also kicked out by the CIA. So I didn't realize that, that yeah, I just thought the Shah was always there, but no, was, there, was all, there was already a leader who had been um, overthrown, uh, you know, and, and he was the sort of puppet replacement. So that actually, it's sort of a put, brings everything into perspective. It makes like the, the 1979 Iranian revolution, like where they finally kicked him out, uh, much, I think much more understandable. You can sort of see the flaws in his uh, claim to legitimacy as a, as a, as the sovereign ruler, you know? Yeah. So Anyway, not not to go on too much of a historical tangent, but it, it was a fascinating documentary. It's called Anatomy of a Revolution. So if you if any listeners uh, dig Al Jazeera as much as I do, it's worth uh, checking out just to Google Anatomy of a Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Ben, how are we going to do this episode? It's going to be a bit, a bit of a special one, I believe, where we're just sort of going to maybe have a bit of a, a review maybe of the last couple of weeks and then look back a little bit further into you know our journey so far and and how things have come along maybe some of the lessons we've uh, we've learned along the way and yeah sort of have a little bit of a uh, a think back and uh, what yeah would you like to start us off yeah Perhaps before we jump into that, I should uh, just sort of tell listeners what what my sort of situation is at this stage. Um, yeah, yeah, probably I should have, should have just led with that. Um, so yeah, uh, I've, I've been getting deeper into this book, uh, The Education of Millionaires. Yeah, the one I spoke about last time, um, which is uh, really, I think, poignant uh, for me at this point and very um, insightful. And very, it has very great practical sort of advice. And so based off of my uh, reading that, I've, I've come to feel that it makes a lot of sense for me to just get myself financially secure at this point in time. And that's something I don't have. And so I really need to get sort of a, a steady sort of monthly income in my bank account so I know I can pay the, the rent each month and stop sort of uh, treading water as it were. So... Um, I'm now desperately trying to get as a certain amount of hours, teaching hours. Uh, you know, this is nothing to do with my online courses or my platform. This is just with other companies, be they online or offline to try and give me that sort of a baseline income that I can work off. And, and also I should say, you know, going back to school and getting, uh, you know, into the semester now starting to think about my master's thesis and stuff. Um, this is, you know, this all contributes to the sort of a, a sense that it's really sort of time to sort of a, take a step back a little from uh, the, 
the frontiers of uh, innovating and uh, online uh, hustle and actually, you know, sort of get myself a bit more grounded. So that's sort of where I'm up to. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. National development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're totally right. Like I just don't have the bandwidth to just <laughs> do all of this. Like keep thinking of new ideas of oh, how am I going to monetize my online thing, and think of okay, how am I going to write a thesis proposal? How am I going to find a supervisor? You know, uh, for you know, <laughs> it's just there's a whole other game to play. That's right. So this brings me to what I'm sort of struggling with at this point in time is, okay, so great. I want to go, you know, and do some regular hours and just earn some regular money. That's fantastic. But where do I go for this? Do I go online or offline? So at first I was like, well, online, obviously, you know, because it's more, you know, convenient, quote unquote, and it's, it's sort of easier to do and I can do it from home so I can, you know, get off my class and then start studying straight away, etc. So I thought, well, obviously it's online. Uh, <laughs> however, I've come to the realization that not, not just Amazing Talker, which I've done more and more classes on, I'm doing roughly one or two classes a day on Amazing Talker now. Uh, it's actually not too hard to keep getting a, you know, a new student every two or three days booking some new classes. Uh, but I'm still selling my classes, you know, on the cheap. They're still much less than I get at the regular cram school. So, you know, underpriced and, but here's the real kicker, like amazing talk. You just heard it, boop, 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 right? it's pinging me all the time. And I've still got to reply, you know, in 10 seconds or else. So that there's no other way to get students at this point in time. So I'm still, uh, hooked onto that. And also the amount of cancellations and, uh, you know, students wanting some, you know, different demo lesson or, oh, there's this engineer, this, uh, firmware engineer, right? He, he, he points out, I'm not a software engineer. I'm a firmware engineer. Okay. Wonderful. Um, yeah, righto. So he wants a tailored course, you know, specific to his industry. Okay. That's fine. And he's, he's saying, I'm worried. You're not going to understand, you know, what my, what I'm, what I do with my work. I'm like, no, no, no. You just tell me what it's about. I, I, I've, I've had some experience, you know, writing, uh, tech, uh, reports, news reports and translating from Chinese to English. So you just tell me what sort of company you work for and what kind of thing you do. And sure enough, he told me, and I sort of, I, you know, I could follow along and I'm like, yeah, no, that that's fine. I can, uh, I can give you some sort of uh, firmware related. We can talk about IOT, which is becoming bigger in Taiwan and, you know, other, other stuff like this. And, you know, I can talk about trends with you and all of that. And he's like, it seems a bit, seemed a bit suspicious, but yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'm like, listen, after I said, listen, um, uh, why don't I give you, you know, some, yeah, some news about 
IoT and tech and, and firmware articles, and we'll talk about them in class. And he said yes to that. So I sent him a couple of things. Then he sent me another message a few days later. Oh, no, teacher, you know, I want to practice my listening, not my reading. So I said, okay, I'll go and find you a podcast. So I found a couple of podcasts just about like IoT and firmware and, and the like. And I sent them to him and I gave him discussion questions. This is even before our courses really started. You know, this is just around the trial lesson, uh, which is discounted. And then, you know, he takes those, he says, thank you. And then a few days later, he sends me another message. Oh, I don't understand about 80% of these words. I can't keep up. It's too fast. You know, I need to have a slower, you know, pace of, 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 of speaking, you know, and you need to send me something easier. And I'm just like, what is this guy? Like, he's just not worth it. I'm just like, so, you know, you're constantly communicating with these students, these one-on-one -on -one students. This guy wants me for his firmware. Yeah, no, that's what I'm going to tell him because he hasn't used podcasts before because, ta-da, podcasts aren't in Taiwan. Um, but I will teach him how to use that. But I don't have time to, like, call him up right in the middle of my day and say, listen, it's that button there, you know, you can press it to half speed. So I'm going to wait until I have my first lesson with him and tell him, listen, buddy, this is how you use a podcast player, you know. And... <sighs> so you get the picture, right? And I've got about seven or eight students on Amazing Talk like that. And it's, it's what I sense with this platform is like the more students, just the more complicated it gets. Like eventually... Uh, you have to just pick one kind of student. Like I'm just doing kids or I'm just doing a test takers. You just got to yeah, pick a group. I haven't done that yet. And I haven't really, you know, but like the, the, the vibe I get with it is just, um, it's constant hustle and you've got to be always, you know, clocked in because you've always got to be ready to reschedule lessons, uh, answer new questions from, from new students, uh, you know, reply to the automated uh, match notification thing. It's, it's like this, it's just constantly on, on, on call as it were. So can you imagine like sitting in a library and trying to brainstorm ideas for your master's thesis and you're getting pinged like this, like there's just no way. It's just, there's just no way you can really have like half a day of in-depth, you know, uh, research or just, you know, off time in the library when you've got this kind of platform going on. And um, if I'd been doing it for a year and I already had enough students and I was making enough money, well then great, maybe I could turn off Amazing Talk and just turn off notifications for a few hours or half a day. But when it's my first month on the platform, I don't have, I, like if I do that, they're gonna stop sending me notifications if I don't reply to it two or three in a row. And then, you know, the whole thing just gets harder. So it's, it's that's the real kicker with Amazing Talk. So it's, I'm still, doing it but i'm very aware of the limitations and i'm very aware that it is not ideal for my current situation you know uh given that i need actually some headspace to actually think about my my studies and, and such so the Yeah, and I'm not even sure if it's number if I talk I is number one anymore. I mean, it seemed to be like that two or three years ago, but it also seems to have changed a lot. I met another American teacher just a 
couple of weeks ago, not even a couple of weeks ago, last weekend, he's been in Taiwan like, yeah, five years, roughly the same as, uh, time as me. He's very professional, he just does lots of English teaching, and he can't get on iTalkai either. So even as a community teacher, right, because there are two kinds of, of teacher on iTalkai, there's professional, community. Professional, you have to have some sort of CELTA or some other teaching certification. Uh, community teacher, you don't need to, but he can't even get on as a community teacher, he's applied twice. So actually Mark has said, I'm not sure if he was joking, when he said this, but we'll, I guess I'll find out. He said uh, he's going to try to get on just to see, uh, you know, as a, as a as a test or as a trial to see if they'll if they'll take him or not, you know. So <laughs> I guess that'll be the litmus test to know if, if it's really uh, totally saturated and, and they're virtually not taking applications or what the situation is. But I talk guy seems to be really at full saturation point. So here's the thing: even if I can crack in and get on I talk guy that doesn't guarantee that I'll be able to find students as easily as people found students two or three years ago. So um, it could be worse than Amazing Talker, possibly. I don't know. So so here's the thing, bro. Like, okay, why not just go and work for those companies that take care of the students for you? Like they already have the students and they just give you classes. So this is my next train of thought. So I went and applied for a few of those kinds of positions. Uh, they give you a flat rate. It's not crash hot. It's pretty, eh, but it's pretty much as much as I'm making an amazing talker. And I don't think there's room to you know, increase your hourly rate. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, at least in the interview, uh, the girl Peggy said to me, well, you just tell us how many hours you're working, how many hours you want to work. And we'll just like fill up your hours, you know, fill up your, your roster. So I thought, oh, this is great. I'll just work like 30, 40 hours a week. And yeah, it's not a high rate of, you know, tuition fee or whatever, but it will be enough to pay the bills online. It's called live ABC. But then I found out actually, no, it doesn't quite work like that. And I think I was a bit naive to assume it would. Um, it's more like you give them your free hours and they try to fill in some lessons when they come down the pipeline, when there is a, uh, opening or when there is a class that needs to be taught and you know so it's like they're the manager and it's completely up to them as to how many lessons you get so it's completely arbitrary it's like you can't do anything about it there's no there's no race to reply as there is with amazing talk it's just you sit there and just hopefully you get a few hours now i've had in the first week i had two three hours of lessons so you know um <laughs> I think it will be a slow climb to get to 30, if that's what I'm hoping for. So uh, I sort of took a step back again and said, no, this isn't working either. It's, or it's, it's just adding to the chaos because now I've got Amazing Talker on one go and then I've got to talk to this Peggy manager lady through another app and tell her, yeah, no, I'm available at this time. And of course they change the lessons and you've got to sub and, you know, she'll say, are you available at this time, you know, this afternoon to be a sub teacher? And, you know, you just got to, you just got to reply straight away if you want a class and, and it's so so i've got the amazing talker thing i got my own private students i got the course that i sold with claire going on and i've got live abc now i've got my bushy ban you know my regular cram school offline classes i'm just like holy crap and how am i supposed to even think about doing my master's thesis with all this swelling around my head so i took a step back and thought no 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 you know what the bushy ban okay 
you know, say what you like about it, but it is, it is steady. It is stable and they do pay me a higher rate than I will get online. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. Like it is uh, at least 30, 30% higher, maybe 40% higher than the rate I would get on Amazing Talker or Live ABC or these other platforms. Okay. Um, it's steady and I pretty much teach whatever I want. I just go there. And here's the really important part. When I clock off, I don't think about that class until I clock on next week. There's no interference. They don't call me and say, oh, you know, whatever. They don't, they don't interrupt my life. Nothing happens between clock off, you know, on Monday and clock on again the next Monday. And that I've, I've really discovered the hidden value of that because I can't see any online platform that's like that. It seems, wow, it would be very difficult to find a position like that in the online teaching world. So I've really realized the beauty of offline again. <laughs> and and that, that kind of cram school, at least, where there's no managing that needs to be done. You just go in, you go out, you teach your thing, and you're done. So I just said to myself, okay, if I can just get another conversation class like that, not just on Monday nights, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and if I, I did the math, that is enough. Like, that's all I actually need. I just need to teach weeknights. And maybe if I want a bit of extra, extra cash, I can do some something extra on Saturday, maybe. But all I would really need to do is weeknights and I would be financially secure. That would be enough. So I've now embarked yeah, on a mission to do exactly that. Just pretty much get the exact same class, but at different schools in different branches around the city. Because there are lots of these, these schools, lots of these study schools all around Taipei. It's just because conversation classes are sort of the side dish at these schools, they're not the main dish. The main dish is preparing you for tests because that's what they're all about, you know, getting you a certain test score so you can go and get a certain job. Um, and the conversation class is sort of like, yeah, the side soup or salad to your main meal. They throw it in there. So because of that, any one given school does not have many conversation class openings. So I cannot just go to my same bushy band and say, Hey, listen, I teach here Mondays. Why don't I, why don't you just open a Wednesday, Friday class? They'll say, well, we just don't do that many conversation classes because they're just, that's not their main business. So I'll have to go to other converse, uh, sorry, other study cram centers and, you know, apply for other conversation classes. So I've got an interview tomorrow at a place that has six or seven branches across Taipei. So fingers crossed, uh, I should be able to get something very similar to, to what I already do. So then I can pretty much wind down or maybe completely go off the online teaching and I can actually really have the headspace to actually do my study and just, you know, cycle or MRT my way to the cram school in the evening. I'm, I'm not really worried about traveling. I can listen to a podcast or something on the way. It's not a biggie for me, you know, to move physically around the place. Uh, what is an issue for me is, is having my, my mental, you know, doing a lot of mental running around actually, <laughs> rather than physical running around. So, which is, as I have just explained, uh, oh man, who knows another year, maybe 18 months at, at the most two years. It's all up to me how fast I can write this thesis, how fast I can push it out, really. Uh, 
well. Yeah, so it's a good question. I aim to blend these two things together, make my thesis uh, directly related to what I'm going to do after graduating, and sort of give, make it my springboard, as it were, to either get funding, get some sort of, I don't want to really say job position, because I don't really think there is an exact job for what I'm trying to do, but get some attention from somewhere to help me get my sort of project off the ground uh, going forward. So this is sort of like what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to utilize or trying to use the university's resources because it's the biggest university in Taiwan, uh, has the most money except for Academia Sinica, which, okay, not to bore listeners with these details, but Academia Sinica is more like a Soviet-style uh, sort of a, a research facility where they pool all the resources into one sort of mega complex but it's more for research it's not for actual teaching or it's not a typical university it's it's anyway so okay not to get sidetracked with that uh my university is pretty much the has the most resources of any regular university in the country so i should be trying to take advantage of those resources and uh, so, and use my master's thesis as well to explore uh, how to go about uh, developing a sort of project to the next level. So what am I talking about? Well, I may have mentioned on the podcast before Global Voices, which is this uh, sort of uh, idea I have, uh, or is sort of a programmer for a TV program for Taiwan's first all English uh, talk show. And it's definitely in its infancy as a as an idea. I've I've made a couple of pilot episodes. Uh, I, I think you recall me discussing this with you, right? Yeah, yeah. So made a couple of pilot episodes just in, in my living room. And so the idea is, well, Taiwan's got this new policy called bilingual nation, right? Shangyugocha, uh, which Supposedly, by 2030, Taiwan's going to be bilingual, in English, obviously. Uh, so, um, at the moment, it's only really the Ministry of Education, which is supposedly trying to recruit more foreign English teachers to come and teach in primary schools and such. So, the, the, the focus is, at this stage, very much on education. But my, my position is, look, if you're really going to make Taiwan sort of a bilingual nation, you need to change, you need to change the environment, like the social environment. You cannot just focus on more English in the classroom and then they leave the classroom, the students leave the classroom, and then what? Go home and just speak Chinese all the time again. You know, so, or not even just go home, like just on the street, like the whole out of classroom context is completely monolingual. Or actually, well, this, yes, but this is the catch. It's like it's from the West. So, um, listening or watching a Hollywood movie with Chinese subtitles does not make you a great English speaker. It's just, there's no there's no chance to open your mouth and engage with 
with you know Iron Man. It seems to be comic uh, heroes seem to be the the, the real hit here. Um, you know, there's there's no way to like engage with that and actually use English to express your ideas about you know whatever whatever you think about the hero of this movie or whatever. So. What I'm trying to do is create this platform, this, this talk show, where it gives people a, a platform to actually open their mouth and actually use English to express their own views about, about global issues, be, they, be it some new trends such as AI, biohacking, could talk about all sorts of interesting tech-related things or some sort of moral, uh, ethical questions that calls into question, you know, different uh, value systems, be they sort of progressive or, or sort of conservative tendencies or different religious ideals, be they sort of more Christian-based or Buddhist-based or Confucian-based kind of ideas such as, you know, abortion and talking about the death penalty. Taiwan is still actually illegal to cheat on your spouse. You can go to jail for it. Um, so that's another interesting question to call into to, to discuss, you know, whether or not uh, this law against adultery is is, is is really relevant, all this stuff. Like, there's so much to talk about, man. But there's no platform for anyone to talk about this stuff, actually, period. Very, uh, unless, you know, they make, uh, like, a YouTube video or something. But in the, in the sort of traditional media, there's, there's no real TV show that really talks about this stuff on a regular basis. Uh, but... But regardless of, of the Chinese language media or the local media, local language media, there's absolutely nothing like this for English. So there's no way you can, there's no way for time, there's no platform for Taiwanese people to sort of get up and, and, and use English to talk about this stuff. So this is sort of the thrust. So my pitch, as it were, if I were to pitch this idea to either the Ministry of Culture, the Ministry of Communications, uh, which is responsible for media regulation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or even maybe the Ministry of Education, although I would try to position it outside of the classroom, as I was saying, in some way. But whoever I pitch this idea to, or maybe some, some grassroots organizations or NGOs, or who knows, some sort of social enterprise or something. Uh, the, the social enterprise is sort of catching on here. It's, it's kind of become a hot topic in Taiwan. I think a lot of people sort of think social enterprises are really cool right now. So whoever I pitch this idea to, like that's the sort of going to be the thrust. It's like, okay, if we're going to get bilingual by 2030, we've got like 10 years, you know, we need to change the media environment. I can bring you this, I can do this great program. Let's do it together. And I'm going to be the host and uh, let's, you know, give me a bit of funding and, and, and we can do this. So that's kind of what I want to do over the next 12 months uh, to 18 months. Well, I've got a couple of pilot episodes. They're really average. Um, I literally did everything myself from the lighting to the, to the casting, to the script, to the, well, Yeah, yeah, I remember it was when Songs About Jane came on the scene. It's like when I was like 12 or something. Yeah.
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I have something. I don't have nothing. Uh, I've I've got a pilot. So I think the next step is to I'm going to try and do some more networking with some students and professors in the media department um, and see, I think there is a studio on campus, but I don't even really know, but I'm going to go and find out and see if we can make a couple more pilots, uh, but with the university's resources and, you know, maybe get some, some sort of film students um, to, you know, volunteer or whatever to, to do the camera work and the lighting and such. And yeah, find some uni students to be the um, to be the host. Uh, sorry, no, I'm the host. Uni students to be the guests on the show. Uh, so sort of turning into like a mini uni project, like a little uni campus thing uh, that's going on, you know. And I think that's a good way to sort of sort of a good incubation process because. You know the university will like it because they can brag about it you know when they talk about you know their social societies and all that kind of crap and so they'll be able to like you know put it on some sort of you know website update or notice board about oh look what we're doing you know so that you know helps them and uh, helps me develop the idea and gives me more connections to other other students and talented people in this university who you know want to do similar stuff to me so i think that's sort of the way to go I do, but I haven't made them public videos. Uh, there's a reason for that, just really quickly. I think once you put it like on YouTube sort of publicly, uh, people, when they look at it, they tend to then value it based on how many views it's got and how many likes it's got. And suddenly it is up there, you know, being compared with sort of finished YouTuber works, you know, from bigger channels. And then they'll be like, oh, well, you're not like, you know, pick a, pick a popular show, Dave Rubin, report or or um philip defranco show or you know some of these sort of newsy talk shows or, or there are some taiwanese a couple of taiwanese versions of that there's a taiwanese comedian called brian who has a little late night sort of skit show that he puts on youtube so like instantly once you put it on publicly it's like oh well didn't get you know even a fraction of the views of those guys oh, well why why should we why should we uh support this or why should we fund this so i think it's it's kind of deliberate that i'm trying to keep it sort of offline uh or you know not sort of publicly available uh so as to avoid that kind of uh filter uh that 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 sort of that that uh yeah uh, that that yeah um yeah so that's pretty much and, and so as for the thesis like i'm gonna try and explore uh i like okay there's sort of a couple of ways to take this i mean not to go too much into the weeds about this, but uh, you know, there's a couple of ways to take this. I was thinking either do some sort of a comparison between other successful bilingual Asian countries, be they Singapore, uh, I think Malaysia also, English is also an official language in Malaysia, maybe even India, and you know how 
if any other countries have sort of made a tr transition to being a bilingual nation in you know, recent decades and how they did that and, and w what role the media played in that and analyzing, for example, Singaporean media versus Taiwanese media and if there is a, a significant, you know, deficit of English language media in Taiwan, which there is, um, you know, and then and then using that as a sort of a basis to to make my sort of conclusion in my thesis that, oh, you know, if Taiwan really wants to become a successful bilingual nation, it will need to uh, increase the volume of English language news content in the domestic news industry. So therefore, so the, oh, of course they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, all of those countries I just listed, Singapore, Malaysia, India, they were all formerly British colonies. So Taiwan's uh, kind of uh, interesting. It's, it's trying to like head in this direction. Um, but yeah, so actually it's quite unique if it sort of pulls it off and becomes the sort of so-called bilingual nation. Um, yeah, but anyway, that, that might be something for me to sort of flesh out in the in my research, but that's sort of one way I can take it. Um, the other way is, is to sort of look at, I'm, I'm even, I'm even thinking, um, okay, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but I'm thinking if the global voices thing doesn't really pick up or I don't get any real traction with any investors or any one sort of in Taiwan, I'm also thinking like in the government agencies or whatever, I'm sort of thinking, looking at studying podcasting in China. Uh, just because sort of a plan B is I would love to do a bilingual podcast, um, one podcast a week episode in Chinese, uh, me as the host and one in English and discuss again, like global issues and stuff that's happening in the world, you know, be it, you know, gender equality, whatever, but discuss it from firstly, like a, a the, from a Chinese perspective, uh, look at like how that issue is playing out in China and then how that issue is playing out in the West and then, um, create this podcast and share it for, you know, English version for the Western audience, but we're talking about stuff that's happening in China and then Chinese version for the Chinese audience. We're talking about stuff that's happening in the West and, and vice versa. So we do some sort of comparison. So this is like plan B in case my sort of, um, yeah. Um, but just some interesting points for people. Like, uh, I've been looking a little bit into the Chinese podcasting industry. It's, um, it's much more centralized than what we have in the English speaking world where you have just like an RSS feed and then, you know, you put your podcast on sort of every different app in China. They got this app called, uh, called Himalaya or the Chinese word for the Himalaya is in the mountain, Himalaya, which has like half a billion downloads and it is just huge. And it's also the largest ebook or should I say, yeah, ebook and audiobook provider in China. So it's like this monolith, it's like audible plus Apple podcasts, plus all the Android podcasts wrapped into one. So it's just this monster of a, of a platform. And yeah, the, but here's the interesting thing, the payment model system, the, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. the monetization system over in China is much more of a pay, you know, users subscribe. It's more like Twitch. It's like, I'm subscribing to this particular podcaster and I'm going to pay a certain amount of money per month to get all their content rather than the advertising model. Hmm. Well, hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually a lot of these, a lot of this content is very uh, knowledge heavy. Like it's so intense. Like there aren't that many podcasts which are sort of like the long lengthy discussion type podcasts, like whether it's a Joe Rogan or a Sam Harris kind of, you know, whether it's someone's couple of guys or girls talking about stuff for, you know, an hour or so. There are some, and I'm really interested in those podcasts, but a lot of them are like 10 to 20 minute, really short, intensive stuff where they're just like, oh, game theory. I'm going to teach you like the five principles of game theory in 15 minutes. Here we go. And then it's just like, it's, um, it's, it's very catered towards sort of a, either career development, investing, uh, sort of general knowledge acquisition, but it's, it's, it's super, super high powered and very intense. Like I find it, I can listen to it. Like when I'm riding my bicycle on my way to my university or something for, for, for half an hour and listen to a couple of episodes, but I can't listen to that stuff when I'm just trying to wind down, like in the evening or something, it's just like so intense. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely a different sort of a, a style, more a different, there's a different sort of, uh, almost audio aesthetic or something that, that, that is in they're, they're very polished and they're very professional. Hmm. Sure. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's pretty much to wrap it up, like my sort of game plan. Um, so yeah, in terms of like how, so I'm, I'm very much, yeah, I'm very focused on wanting to use this master's thesis to sort of bring about, you know, or lead towards whatever I'm going to do, you know, after I graduate. So so I'm going to be very intentional about that. So yeah, um, does that sort of answer your question? What I thought, Ben, is we could talk a little bit about how we, okay, we sort of had a phone call yesterday and I think we stumbled across this interesting point about how we have sort of ended up in two extreme ends of what I call the meaning versus money continuum, which is to borrow the phrase that the author of this book I'm reading uses, he talks about how to combine your meaning with money. And uh, yeah, do you, I've been talking a lot. Do you want to expand a bit on that and how you feel about that? Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm just using the the term meaning and money just for the sake of convenience. But I, we, when we spoke on the phone yesterday, I think we were both in agreement that your business that you've, you, you're, you've tempted to, to build or you have built, you know, we're both sort of still trying, but you know, your business so far is very much steeped in your personal meaning. You know, it's all about 
what you're passionate about in terms of the wonders of the earth and, and science and these big, big ideas and theories that explain the universe. So that's really like personally meaningful for you, which is fantastic. And I think I've gone way too far the other end with my ESL business on Facebook and YouTube, not my global voices, not what I was just speaking about. That's sort of my next, I guess my next business as it, as it were, but my first one made Zowie calling one, the first one I've been talking about my daily bites on the podcast for the last 20 episodes. This one that I've been working on for almost two years or 18 months at least, this was way too far in the other end, in the other uh, extreme. This was my, it was like, I don't want to say a get rich quick scheme because I didn't really plan to get really rich, but I wanted definitely to get some passive income. So I would say it was my get passive income quick scheme, which I think was, well, it, I was naive definitely to say the least in how, how I underestimated how long it would take and the scale it would need for me to, for me to really like have some sort of scalable income. Um, when there's so much free content, like, especially in Taiwan, there's so much free English language learning content online. It's, it's really saturated and, oh, anyway, and I'm not going to go, go into all the details of, of probably why I think it, it hasn't worked out this first, this first, uh, time round, but suffice to say, I was very much focused on this is what the market wants, you know, and they're going to pay for it. I'm going to make money. Then after I get the money, I can go and do something that's more meaningful for me. I didn't really think at all about whether or not this business would be meaningful for me in the long term. And so I think that has kind of stung me a little bit because I've, uh, eventually, you know, you burn out and eventually you realize this business isn't, is going to take like, this business is not going to just come off that easily and it's not just going to start generating income and my heart's not in it. You know, I don't want to do this for, the, for you know, period. That's, it's just not what I'm into. So I think for you, you're on the other extreme. It's, it's very meaningful. So, so what do you think? Oh yeah, I forgot about this.
Sounds familiar. <laughs> I guess we're not all Elon Musk is, is, the, is the moral of the story. Oh, yeah, I saw that in the bookstore the other day, and I all, well, I didn't almost buy it, but, yeah, I definitely stopped and checked out the, checked out the blurb. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so awesome, man. I didn't even realize, like, um, how rough and ready, like, those first episodes that he did. Have you gone back and listened to, like, his... Oh, apparently, like, I've got to go and do it, but, yeah, apparently it's really, like, it's just sitting on his sofa and just, like, just, like, they are probably, and, like... They use not even Twitch or YouTube, they use something else that like predated Twitch to stream it as well. And it's just like, yeah, really, really rough. And, but yeah, like, man, imagine, just imagine, not only like imagine being that guy now and just being like, I, have you heard? Apparently he's like pushing a hundred mil like a year in advertising revenue. Can you get that? Like freaking hell. 100 mil, like, holy crap, it's like movie stuff, like, jeez. Can you just imagine not only being, like, not only, like, being worth 100 mil, but, and just, like, for podcasting, right? Just, like, sitting and, like, chatting with a bunch of, like, essentially your friends. Like, not only that, like, not only where he is now. Yeah, yeah, like, that's exactly, it's like, wrestling, hunting, podcasting. It's like, yeah, but, uh, but, like, exactly what I like. Can you imagine, though? Like, not only, like, where he is now, but can you imagine, like, going through his journey and knowing, like, like having that experience starting out from literally, like, being on a sofa and just, like, just so rough and ready. I don't even know who he talked to to begin with. I don't think anyone, like, came on his show. So, I don't know. I, have, I haven't listened to those episodes. But, like, super rough and, like, sticking with it for, like, no one's, like, what the hell is podcasting? Like, sticking at it for, like... 10 to 15 years and now he's just like 
oh yeah, I'm the king of the mountain. Like, how awesome would that be? Like, to not jump around and be like, ah, oh, this podcasting thing isn't working. I'm going to go and try YouTube now. Ah, oh, now I'm not doing it. YouTube's not working. Like, to have the insight to be like, this is my blue ocean. Yeah. Something, I don't know, like, but to, to just be able to pick, yeah, sure, but like to be able to be like, this is my blue ocean, and I'm just going to swim in it for the next 10 years until I'm the freaking Neptune <laughs> of this blue ocean. You know, like, until I am just freaking so dominant, like, that is just fantastic. I actually do think that to myself sometimes. I think, you know, maybe we're probably a bit late for podcasting, perhaps. Uh, I, I sometimes think to... Yeah, I sometimes think to myself, like, what is the next podcasting? Like, because I really enjoy this medium. Like, there's always something, man. No. Have you heard of something called vodcasting? Oh, the master switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I I would love to like get on really early to like the next big medium and just like be a pioneer like that, like to a robot. That would be freaking awesome. Have you heard of vodcasting? I think it's a failed medium, but it's like the same. It uses RSS technology. It's like an RSS feed, but you play a video instead of a uh, mp3 file. Vodcasting, as in video podcasting. Apparently, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like a hybrid, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 this is why I sort of jumped on streaming, actually, because I started my English platform, English learning platform from just regular videos. And then I saw these huge YouTubers, like these other people who have already done so many English videos and already had million subscribers. And I was like, geez, I'm not going to compete with that. But no one's doing live English, like, like English teaching with live video. And this is like, taking off so yeah let's do it but but i've also realized the limitations of the of the medium i mean it's i think it's it is disruptive and it does have its own value for sure but it's way not nearly as disruptive as podcasting because essentially no one wants to watch a live broadcast after it's over so 
like it's it works for certain things like gaming obviously twitch like ta-da but it doesn't work for everything like it doesn't work for interactive teaching because if you want interaction you want to be the person interacting with the teacher in real time you don't want to be the person watching afterwards right and so there's a limitation there so it would work for non-interactive teaching where you're simply watching the video and learning from watching but if you just want to learn from watching and not interacting then you then you prefer to watch a pre-made regular video rather than a live video so it doesn't exactly high production value you don't want to watch exactly you don't want to watch a video of someone else interacting with a teacher that you can't interact with after the event so i've come to realize it wasn't like the perfect ta-da fit for me but but yeah i mean this is a new medium which you know wasn't around a few years ago and and i i really jumped into it and i really gave it a shot so you know perhaps uh, i should i should at least acknowledge myself for that you know um yeah yeah Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, Gandhi. Yeah, is another one. One of those quotable... Yeah, <laughs> just people... Yeah, exactly. There are a few people like that. I think Churchill, Gandhi, Mandela, um, Steve Jobs, Einstein... I think of the 20th century, these are like the five. Yes, yes. And ah, oh, words of wisdom. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Go ahead with your Steve Jobs quote, Ben. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'll start the, the background music. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, and get some sound effects going. Yeah, timpani. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Totally. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. And um, any favorite moments so far in your journey? Yeah, let's talk more about the podcast, actually. Um, what have we learned in the last 20 episodes or the last was almost six months? Jeez. Yes, yes, you can do it like that. <laughs> if you want. Um, yeah, like with a, with a cap, like a baseball cap and a, and a ribbon. Ribbon strapped like a bandito, hey, yeah, like that. Yeah, gangster, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the ribbon was like from like a Tiffany and Co. or some one of those boxes. Like my wife sells uh, Japanese, uh, yeah, you know, stuff like women's clothing and stuff. You know, so like it's a very cutesy kind of ribbon. So not really, not really thug life, but but yeah. So you can imagine just yeah. How, uh, <laughs> how lame. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty shocking. Um, but yes, no, I think there's been, I think we've learned a lot actually. Okay. Firstly, it's not as easy to set up as everyone says. Actually, we were talking about some people the other night and they were just like, yeah. I mean, they're just like, what? Just. You just record your conversation, end of story. But for example, like today, we somehow delayed for half an hour and I don't even know why, but it's like, there's always some fiddling around of some sort. Yeah, it's just always like, it just, it's ah, even after 20 episodes, we still have delays and then afterwards, you know, a bit of editing and uploading the file, whatever. It's, it's not, it's not just like press record on the phone, ta-da. Like, it's not as easy as that. Even if... Oh, that was for audacity. Mm. Yeah, and then so I tried to match it up with your audio, and of course I'm just... Oh. Totally, yep. To be honest, the, the uploading process, like anchor end of things, is really easy. It's really smooth. Uh, yeah, Screw that. Screw that. Link in the show notes. Yeah, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast has probably heard of Anchor, but who knows? Maybe some people haven't. But yeah, no, I've, I've had it. I think it's been great with Anchor. It's been really, really smooth sailing. Uh, very reliable. We did. We were first hosting on Apple Podcasts. No, WordPress website. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah. No, we changed that. That was a bit of a hassle. Yeah. But also what I've discovered is, wow, like, I just assumed that somehow we'd get more and more listeners over time. <laughs> so I think, like, discoverability of podcasts is a huge issue in this, in this industry. It's like a huge pain point. So I was listening to the Indie Hackers podcast the other night and Cortland was interviewing this guy. Um, I can't remember his name again. Anyway, um, who's the founder of Pod Hunt? Yes, you heard that right. Product Hunt for podcasts. So that's kind of cool. Have you checked that out? Yeah, you should check it out. We should like when we come back, we should start posting on Pod Hunt. Um, yeah, it is a great idea. Um, at the moment, they just list like the episode, the, 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 the key differentiator between pod hunt and other sort of podcasting sharing leaderboards is that they do it by the episode, not by the podcast. So if it's by the podcast, well then just the most popular podcasts are always voted up the top. But if it's by the episode, by the day, then there's chance for new interesting episodes to, you know, make it through to the top. Yeah. Oh, totally. I've, I've looked at some Android apps. I looked at not just Stitcher. I looked at pod, uh, oh, what's it called again? Podcatcher. I used podcatcher the other day because my student actually, as you rightly, uh, as you were in, inclined to, 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 to suppose he is an Android user. So I had to use a non Apple podcast app for him. So I, I recommended he use podcatcher. And that was also, I was uh, surprised at how easy it was to browse through that and find new podcasts. So I, yeah, I totally back that. I think the Apple app is really not easy to find new podcasts at all. Yeah. So something to consider all you, yeah, all you aspiring podcasters out there. But yeah, I really think, uh, it is a, it is a pain point. Like I'm sure we are not the only ones. I'm sure there are dozens of other people out there who are like, yeah, I'm going to try podcasting. And they just think, you know, the audience will slowly grow a bit like a YouTube channel, but wow, it's like, you've got to get out there and, and, and network with other hosts and get your, your episodes on reddits or twitter or something like you really got to hustle to get an audience with podcasts we've had uh, one vip guest thanks mark oh yeah yeah it's so like that it's all word of mouth podcasting like it's all yeah, it's all word of mouth. So who knows, perhaps a really good, um, a really suitable marketing method would be like an email referral list, uh, possibly like what the one we experimented with, uh, what was it called again? Early parrot or something like that. Like maybe that might work because yeah, I, I have discovered a lot of podcasts. Like you recommended the North star to me and you recommended, uh, I recommended sin talk, the, the I t totally like, I think way more than, than obviously like YouTube videos or, or other social media or, or whatever. 
I think, yeah, so it is, I think podcasting is like the, like, because it's decentralized, like the whole uh, listener acquisition process, it's just totally different. It's, uh, it's really, uh, yeah, really different, I think. So I think that is like the challenge. I mean, we just ran into someone recently who is offering to like promote our podcast. Like, so he's like a professional podcast marketer. Like, this is like a job now. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. Like that there's a job for that. Like, can you imagine there being like a job for like, I'm going to promote your YouTube video. Like what? Like no one does like this SEO optimization, but there's no, like no one who like promotes your videos or your blog. Cause that's like, well, people are just going to find your blog, on, you know? So this just goes to show how different podcasting is. You know? Sorry. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So, um, yeah, bro. I just think the at the end of the day, as Bon Scott once said or once sang, it's a it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. So, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm, that's right. I'm gonna be. Yeah, wiping down that saliva for the next few weeks, but yeah, I'll be all right. I'll be back. We'll be back and uh, we'll be looking forward to bringing you more insights into our journey and sharing, uh, sharing in, in the fun of, of content creating to all our dear listeners. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, but not for not too long yeah we will uh, be back uh, louder and prouder and stronger. And um, yeah, we'll be, I think we're going to get much more into the, yeah, getting the word out about this pod once we are back on track and once stuff is settled. Yeah. Because then uh, I would like to divert a few minutes or a few hours of my week from replying to amazing talker notifications into... <laughs> into um yeah exactly tweeting out about or emailing out about our podcast and, and getting other you know other hosts on yet yeah. just divert a little bit of that t 
time uh, to, to, to this. But, you know, after, exactly, after the bills are paid and after everything's sort of nice and secure, um, financially speaking. And so, yep, uh, we'll be taking a little hiatus, but for not, not for too long. So hang in there, dear listeners, and we'll be back uh, for more in good time. Okay, bro. I'll leave it. We'll leave it there. Cheers, bro. Take it easy.